0: Hey out there, I'm John here. With my buddy Johnny What's up? Sorry, you started to introduce yourself I was I just but I just, it. it's fine. <laughs> sometimes I do the cross yeah I'll, I'll pitch it to you. We need to I talk about
1: that you step on me far too much I do well are like mean, an old married couple?
0: Well, I think conversationally that's just i'm I'm a dominant person
1: yeah i I'm, I need to work on that myself I, I It's like I don't have patience for people who don't um <laughs> They, I want to finish their sentences finish for their, them. Yeah, <laughs> I
0: almost did it right then. <laughs> for people who, what's the word? Uh, how you doing, Johnny?
1: I'm all right. I'm uh, back home for a few days,
0: and it's been good. Good. I'd like to publicly thank you for buying my lunch today.
1: Oh, that's nice. That's great. Well, we we, I, we that's the thing when you don't do go Dutch yeah. enough, you lose track of who owes who lunch.
0: Yeah, but why are we keeping track of it in the first place? I thought our friendship. But was it's a just mutual... weird because
1: then after a while, I'm like, how bought the last four. Yeah. Whereas if we just went Dutch all the time, we would always be fine.
0: See, I always buy the other persons, almost always.
1: I do, too, a lot. Occasionally,
0: you and I, actually, the only you're the only people I'll say separate with. It's just because I know we've been to lunch now for 20 years, it's like, it's fine. It's enough It already. doesn't, yeah, it doesn't, it's not, yeah, I don't know, but why do go I do the other way? I do the
1: same thing with my wife. I was like, let's just go Dutch tonight. <laughs> you know what? We I get it. We're together.
0: Do you think going Dutch is offensive to, to people? To Dutch
1: people? From? From Norway? To th- Holland? <laughs>
0: the netherlands where are the?
1: remember when you went to when you went on that trip to the netherlands uh you went to iceland and then you were going to go preach in the netherlands norway yeah and i said please when you start your don't say it's so great to be here in the nether regions <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's so great <laughs> that was the best yeah, I wonder, though, if, if Dutch people are, like, why? Are Dutch people, they don't pay for each other's meal? Is that a thing? Uh, I don't know. I want to know the etymology of this.
1: I think what I, when Curry and I go Dutch, it just means that I make her buy her own windmills and wooden shoes. <laughs> um, <so. laughs> That's good. That Yeah
0: that that would go to the stage johnny no that's johnny, like, I know stage comedy to <laughs> be really I do. oh my oh gosh oh my gosh
1: i was at uh, Zany's last night i got to yeah. open for one of my favorite comedians and good friend nate brigazzi yeah he is taping a netflix special yeah on saturday in atlanta and so he was working out his hour it feels a last. little
0: close it feels a little close to to be working it out
1: well he's got it ready he's sick of it at this point that's yeah. what he says he says i'm tired of it but so he's ready to get it on tape and then move on but um yeah, man, it's so good. He had so many funny things, and uh, of course, he wasn't happy. We're of never, course. we're never happy. We're yeah. never happy. So he's back there at the end. This,
0: and well, that. he's a native Nashvilleian
1: He is. He's from Old Hickory.
0: Yeah, that's a big deal.
1: Yeah, so it was cool. So a lot of hometown folks came out. I think mm-hmm. his father was there, and his dad's actually opening for him tonight. His dad is a, a comedian magician. Wow! And one of the best in the world, actually. Uh, a
0: magician. He's a magician.
1: He's a commissioner. (laughs) Anyway, he is uh, fascinating and really great and and, uh, a great dude. And he actually came to a show one time. Remember the old, when I had been doing comedy like a year? Yeah. And then I put a show on here and I had done a show before, like I did like 45 minutes or an hour. But I was like, and then they wanted to do it again the next year. I was like, I don't have a new hour for these people because I'm new.
0: Yeah.
1: So I had a bunch of people come out and then Brian Bates, a buddy of mine that I'd met through the club scene and stuff, I was like, Come out and do a set. I had a friend named Rick Roberts. So come out and do a set. And then Bates goes, "Hey, Nate's in town. If you want him to do a set, I go. I don't know him. I was really paranoid of like putting anybody in in front of our church people that I did not know. I was like, I don't know Nate Bergazzi. Who is he? And he goes, Well, he just did Conan for the fourth time. I go,
0: Well, oh. okay, well, let's bring him. <laughs> he sounds nice.
1: So he just destroyed, of course. It was unbelievable, yeah. and I had to follow it because we, we were we were me and you were closing the show. That's when we did some songs and we did oh. some things. So I had to like follow Nate. Who's just crushed, and but his dad was there that night. He was so kind to me, and you know had great advice. It was really dad. encouraging. Yeah. It's very fascinating. But anyway, his dad gets to open uh, the show for him, and they they every now and again on tour, Nate will have his dad come out. And I was talking to Brian about it last night because we had dinner, and I said, "What a interesting thing to be able to do to give your dad, who was a mentor to you, mm-hmm. like you get to let him come open your show, and you know that he's going to kill too. It's not just a matter of like here's some charity. It's like his dad is a world class performer but he also gets to have this cool connection with his dad that none of us i mean we don't even know what that's even like no that's so cool
0: no i can't imagine. most uh, most comedians i know seems like they seem as if they are in almost intentionally the antithesis of somebody in their family you know like yeah, they're yeah, running yeah. from they're running from yeah no nate's super close with you now yeah.
1: nate's nate's got uh such respect for his dad and then and, and that's one of the reasons he moved back here from New from LA. He lived in New York. Then he lived in LA and he was, you know, shopping uh pilots and and uh, sitcoms around and and then he just was like, I wanna move back home. You know, he's got a daughter, yeah. he's young, very young, and they just wanted to be around the grandparents. So he just moved back home.
0: This is a place to be, man. It um, is. And, and you know, it's funny. Did I tell you that my wife, so she works for a company called uh, Change Healthcare and they have a drawing. They have a box at the Bridgestone Arena. Yeah. That they have and there's like a drawing I guess every month for various events there. So she just happened to randomly win tickets to Josh Groban. What? Uh in the box. So and Sadie was at the grandparents in East Tennessee. So uh me and Laura dressed up and went downtown, had by the way, I'm eating keto. Okay. Now, I know I've I've kind of poo-pooed Are keto. Are you going to say
1: you ate Josh Groban because that's bro, too far? He
0: was low-carb, though. I can't Oh, help my him. gosh.
1: First, oh. you raised him up, and then you swallowed him whole.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, but I found, like, the best keto restaurant, yeah. if you're going to spend a lot of money but still eat something nice and mm-hmm. just come away full, bro, melting pot. Perfect. Oh, all
1: right, because it's a lot of meat,
0: but it's the. You can have the cheese. You have the cheese. Yeah. You can have the cheese. You just don't you know, order the bread. Get the vegetables instead. Okay. And dip oh, them I do to then, do that. And then the meat, we had four meats, and we only ate two of the courses because then you don't have the dessert course, so it was mm-hmm. actually a lot cheaper. Uh, really, really enjoyed it. Walked away very, you know. It's
1: but you kind of wanted the dessert course because that's part of the fun there. Yeah, right? that would have been That the,
0: chocolate fun dude. Them.
1: Yeah. Oh, it's so good. So, Josh Groban, was he good? Dude. Great oh show. He's
0: super funny, too. He's very funny. You know, he's an actor. You know, mm-hmm. he just had a show on Netflix.
1: And I was watching The Office again, all the way through. Curry and I have been binge-watching The Office, oh, and guys. he's uh, he's in some of those. Is he? Yeah, I think so. Wait, what, what was I watching that he was on? I want to say he was on it.
0: Man, if Josh Groban, I feel like I would have known that.
1: I think he was. What was I watching that he was on? Because I watched The Office a lot. Maybe it wasn't The Office, but I saw him on something recently, and I was like, I think that's Josh Groban. Kurt's like, I think it is, and then we looked on the on the
0: credits, and it was, yeah. That's interesting. Well, like he, one of
1: like Dwight's, f- you know, distant family members or something in a couple of shows. I don't know. Well, Maybe he
0: not. no, he started as an actor before he was a singer.
1: Okay, and um, that's a weird thing to yeah. think that he that's his. He's one of the best in the world at something, but he's like, oh, that was just my second
0: choice, <laughs> right? No, it's crazy because he has a voice with mm-hmm. a control. A timbre and vibrato and other yeah. things, unlike yeah, yeah. anybody else's. So he killed. And that's not like something I listen to every day. You know what I'm saying? Right, like, I'm right. not driving down the road listening, but Idina Menzel was the opening act. Holy moly. Yeah. So we were a little bit late because it took a little longer. Downtown I Friday think Carlo
1: night. and Jamie went to that show because she had a photo on her Instagram with Josh Groban. Really? She got to meet him behind the little banner. I don't know if they had special tickets or whatever, but know. you blew it, bro. It you pretty...
0: Yeah. Oh, I didn't blow it, bro. We were up in this these amazing seats. Oh, that's good. Uh, it was great. But
1: you could have met Josh Groban. is what I'm saying. She yeah. she won up
0: to you. Yeah, you know. God, that Jamie Serrano. I know she's she she's always trying to one up me. Right. I don't know what it is. I think I'm I'm glad we went public with it. Yeah, it's fine. It's but anyway, this is
1: back to the show. So you ate all this food. Went to the show. Went to the show. We, the show. we, we that's got a great date night.
0: We got that was a great, great, great. Wait, it was a great, great date, great date, great, date great, night. Great great, night. Great, great. Uh, because it was actually a pretty stressful day that day, and then mm-hmm. that night was amazing. But we went to the seats. We were a little bit late to the show, and she was a, she was like a song away from singing Let It Go. So, of course, the whole crowd sang Let It Go. And then – she's funny too. And then she didn't do it. And then she was like, guys – She
1: was what? like, I'm going to do Sweet Child of Mine, and then I'm out of here.
0: <laughs> well, she had a full band and okay. amazing background singers. And then, of course, we're big. We, we love the theater. And so, like, I've seen Wicked, I think, three times. Yeah. And – She's the original alphabet,
1: right? Of so, course, and they're bringing it back with the original cast. Is what I've heard. Really? Oh yeah, they're doing a revival with Chris- Kristen Chenoweth, wow. and Adina, and all that, and they're touring with it. I think. Wow. Well, so, she yeah. maybe did- not. Maybe it's only the Broadway location.
0: My wife turned to me and said, This is like on her bucket list. That's to hear the original Alphabet actually sing some oh, yeah. of the songs. Oh,
1: you gotta go then.
0: I mean she well but, but we heard her. Oh, she I mean, sang her. She yeah. sang we didn't but know yeah. we didn't know if copyright wise they would allow them to do that. Oh right, that makes but sense. But she did. And uh, and that the ending song of the play, which is Oh shoot, my wife's gonna kill me. Uh, it's the one I'm better because I was with you kind of thing, you know. I don't know if I've sing. been changed for the better, yes, I've been changed for good. That's yes. my wife's favorite. It's yeah. her favorite, and she sang it and it was just it was really, really good. And so then well, they had the full stage and everything. Yeah. And I thought, well, they're going to just use the same band and stage. Nope. What was the venue? Bridgestone. Okay, yeah. yeah. Wow. They br- and it was pretty full. They they broke and struck the entire stage mm. and added a whole new thing. And then he had, of course, a little stage in the center with a piano. And I could yeah. see it. They were kind of hiding it, but I knew he'd come out there and sing. Dude, he was butter. And then she came out with him, and they did like four or five songs together. Uh-huh. And they're, I'm, I'm telling you, they had like... They had like identical vibrato. It was crazy. Almost like familial. It was in sync. Yeah, it was like perfectly aligned. Yeah. And then he played piano, by the way. Oh yeah, classically trained pianist as oh, well. Yeah. Sat down and just killed it. So, we had a really, really fun night. It was it was That's great. Cool. And uh like to think change healthcare not a sponsor.
1: Yeah, not um, at all.
0: I mean, you're a sponsor in that you employ my wife and I appreciate that. That's nice. That allows me to
1: But eat. it was a total like a drawing
0: like, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. But you know, like they're they have a Home base in Nashville, even though she works from home, just happens to be a home base in Nashville. So there's a lot of employees around here. Uh, that, yeah. So yeah, it's something we we're going to look into. A, you know, we're going to now get into every drawing we can.
1: Speaking of big shows, I don't know when we'll publish this, but this I think we're going to set to publish it tonight or tomorrow. So this yeah. Saturday, uh, my buddy Michael Jr., who travels all over nationally as a comic, yeah. he just had a movie come out. His la- latest special is called More Than Funny, and it was in theaters. Yeah, it was a fathom event. And so coming off that, he is uh, doing all these theater tours, and he's doing TPAC, Tennessee Performing Arts Center. So if you're a Nashville person and you're listening to this, please get tickets and go see Michael. You won't regret it. It's an amazing show. And I'm opening the show.
0: That's amazing.
1: So I'm on board. I get to perform at TPAC, which is a bucket list thing that for That
0: absolutely is. And if yeah. people don't know, if you're in the Nashville area, I mean, Tennessee Performing Arts Center is unbelievable. That's great. It's a great, great venue. We've been to a lot of shows there. And just the whole down, downtown, man, we were down there Friday night, mm-hmm. and Broadway – that whole Second Avenue area—I mean, it is very barry, you know. But it, it's it's barry—is that a word? Well, you know, yes, like bars. But anyway, it, it is like crowded with people, and it's kind of a cool vibe. I mean, yeah. Nashville's become this amazing place, so you should absolutely go to t if you can go yeah. downtown Saturday night seven thirty. Eat Keto at the Melting Pot. Eat Keto. Go over and see Johnny W. open for Michael Jr. Oh, man. Michael Jr. is great. He really, really yeah, is great. it's going to be a great show. He's different and unique. I and mean, there's really nobody like him. Yeah, there's like nobody him. quite like him. He's doing yeah. He's doing a lot of things that are very unique. So And and you're different and unique. Mm. But looks aren't everything, bro. You yeah, need to really work on your great. show. But no, it's you're going to do great. I'm really excited. I don't think I can go, and I apologize. <sighs> I know I have some things on Saturday. I
1: offered you tickets to last night's show with Nate, and you blew me off there, too.
0: I didn't. I didn't blow I didn't blow you off.
1: Sorry, I'm not Josh Groban, John.
0: Bro, if you sent me free tickets, if Idina Menzel would have been opening for you comedy. How
1: do you know she wasn't? How do you know that's not my next story? Wow. She could have walked in. It would have been amazing. Somebody did a show at Zany's the other night, and Bobby Brown was in the audience. And then they pulled him on stage.
0: It's, why, at Zany's. Was he, he just, just here he visiting? In town.
1: Oh. I saw a photo of it, and I was like, why was Bobby Brown?
0: Okay. Well, that's his prerogative.
1: That's <laughs> true. <laughs> Hey. <laughs> uh, then they just started roasting him. People were like, hey, don't be cruel. Hey, <laughs>
0: hey.
1: He would never be that cruel to you. All
0: of our younger listeners are like, what, what are they talking happened? What happened? Yeah, okay. sorry.
1: Yeah. I'm watching the 90s on uh, Netflix. On It's a CNN documentary series about the 90s. Yeah. They've been every decade, you know. And it's so weird to think that that was like almost 30 years ago. Yeah. Because you're like, I think of the 90s as like 10 years ago.
0: Uh-huh. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean,. 90s still feels right yeah. to
1: me somebody said they were i saw this on twitter somebody said they're doing oh it's like kanye or somebody doing a themed party and it was the, the theme was the 2000s and i was like no what? Well, come on now i'm ancient how can you do that you know the 2000s oh
0: my gosh it was so long ago
1: yeah but anyway yeah so the 90s it was cool though but it was showing they were talking about and we talked about this a little bit at lunch but the the era of dramas and how uh uh serial dramas changed in the nineties. And that was the kind of the birth of shows that did not have a happy ending necessarily that could leave you hanging or a character would, a pivotal character would die and you just had to like deal with it. Yeah. Um, I remember the one ER where there was a, a character that Omar Epps played and he was like a, an intern and then he was taking the train into work uh, he had been going through this terrible depression, and he showed him waiting for the train, and then somebody's brought in, and they're all mangled, and they, they're under a sheet and everything, and they're trying to save the guy, and then they realize as they're doing chest compressions, it's that character. Wow. And it's somebody they work with. Yeah. Because they have to get all the blood off his face, and stuff, they're like – and then they just have to live with it. Like this guy threw himself in front of the train or whatever. Wow. And it's like oh, it's this gut wrenching, and now that happens every week on TV.
0: Oh, absolutely. <laughs> that is that is like the ongoing. Uh, that, that's the plot line of every Grey's Anatomy. Yeah. Like, well, I actually watch Grey's Anatomy with my wife now. Wow. Don't why'd you have to throw the wife thing? in? Because I'm very masculine. You know that. <laughs> and and but when I used to make fun of it, I would say, "Well, let me guess, what happened this week? So who?". <laughs> Who was in a car crash, bus crash, plane yeah. crash, or train crash? Because just statistically, yeah. these people in this hospital, the idea that that many people could be involved in that many crazy disasters right. in a once-in-a-lifetime, and they but happen not, to all be together so yeah. that one doctor can work on the other doctor, and it's just like, yeah. it's a tragic life. They didn't leave that town and go do something else because luck is not on their side.
1: Yeah, and then all those extra rooms they're trying to find to make out with each other. There's all that. Like, wait, is this hospital? This hospital can't be very full. Yeah, no, no, we got this room over here. It's like it's yeah. weird. I don't know, but yeah, that's. It's, uh, I've
0: looked cool. for those rooms when I was in hospitals, and they yeah, don't, they're they're not no.
1: around. That's not <laughs> that's not appropriate, John. <laughs> I don't know, but yeah, I don't know. Grades anatomy, and then I don't know. I've missed on
0: into that. Did I tell you one time I did look for a room in a hospital? Because you know, as a pastor, sometimes I have late night visits. Yeah. We had a friend, a guy used to come to church who flipped his car like middle of the night. Well, I had been really sick. Doctor had given me like hydrocodone. Yeah. And I would taken it and gone to sleep. So then I get the phone call at like 1230 or something. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, I got to go. You know, like, so Andrew's going and I was like, bro, you got to come pick me up. Like, yeah. I, I, I took some meds the doctor gave me and I need to sleep. And now, so that, that's like. The background. Yeah. So we go down. We're at Vanderbilt ER, which is a – have you ever been to Vanderbilt ER? Yeah. I mean people just lined out. You come to the metal detectors, and it's just people everywhere. It's a really, really sad state, and you wait. It's just – if you're going to go to the ER at Vanderbilt, unless you are really, really critical, you're yeah. going to wait a long, long time. So we waited and waited and waited, and then for some reason – I don't know. We went back – And I can't remember if I saw the guy or not, because I don't get, I don't really get squeamish Mm -hmm. around those things. I'm in a lot of hospitals, but something about the meds started coming off of them at that moment that we were talking about this guy's medical stuff. And I just, I was about to just vomit. So here I am by myself running through the halls of Vanderbilt Medical Center, looking for a place to throw up, looking for a place to throw up. (laughs) And I can't find one. Like every room is taken. And so literally I finally duck into an empty patient room. Yeah, and just hurl into a trash can or something. Yeah, and I sit down on the bed because <laughs> I'm just trying to take a load off. And they off, hooked you, know? you up to an IV. And they and, come in there yeah. like, "Have you been seen yet?" <laughs> and I was like, "I'm, I'm not a patient."
1: Like I, they're like, "Sir, you just threw up in this trash can. You're a patient, right?"
0: <laughs> and then they charge me like two oh, wow, thousand dollars. Like you're going to pay for that trash can. That's.
1: Do you ever see like the? I don't know if every city has these, but these billboards that we have that say what the wait time is at the ER, Yes, I'm not sure exactly the purpose of this, but whenever I see like a four or five on there, I'm like, all right, I just relax. Don't you? Don't you take start taking chances? I gun it in floor. But if you see like a 55, 60 minute, you're like, oh boy, 10 and two. 10 and two, John.
0: It really is so like... It's a weird it's like thing. fast food, you know. Yeah. But there, I, the sad, safe affairs is there are a lot of people that that is their primary health care and yeah. honestly, like hangnail. Well, let's go to the ER, so they don't yeah. drive around and find the one with the shortest weight, I guess. So
1: Curry, three weeks ago, had... A hangnail. In, ...incredible, <laughs> she did, and I said, well, I will go. Uh, no, she, she's she been in the hospital twice uh, in her life, I think, and one time she was born. No, I'm just kidding. No, the, <laughs> one time, it was when we first moved here, She they thought they were going to have to take her gallbladder out. She was having terrible pain. They thought they were going to take her gallbladder, and then they tested her for celiac, Yeah. Uh, At the last minute, they were literally, she was scheduled for surgery. We stayed the night in the hospital. And then they said, one doctor said, her gallbladder tests are coming up normal now. Let's test her for celiac. And she was off the charts celiac. So she was all, is all gluten. She, she had like vitamin deficiency numbers, like a cancer patient. They Mm -hmm. said she was not absorbing any vitamins from her food because of this gluten allergy. And so we went on the gluten-free diet and she's been a lot healthier since then. But the second time was three weeks ago, she was having terrible lower abdomen pain. And it wasn't going away, and it wasn't like she thought it was stomach pain at first. But then it was like, no, I said appendicitis. It was on the other side, so yeah. I thought, oh, maybe gallbladder again. So we go in to the ER, and uh, they'd ran tests, and they said we don't know what this is. It could have been a kidney stone that you passed, yeah, you know before, bef- you know after you got here. And uh, so she, they sent her home, and I'm still waiting on that bill, and I'm dreading it. I mean, I'm not oh. like a big like whatever money's it's fine. It was good to rule everything out, yeah. But at the same time, it was like. You're just like, I have no idea what they charge for things. You have no idea. When you just go to ER, you're just like, ring it up. Yep. You're just like, whatever you whatever number you associate to this.
0: You know, have you seen that show New Amsterdam? No. Okay, so it's actually really good. And on the show It's that, about
1: the one good guy. He's the Mr. Smith, right? Goes to Washington he, kind of a guy. Yes,
0: he's in there to clean it up. It's a public, okay. it's a public hospital in New York. Yeah. And, or maybe it's Boston. I don't remember. Yeah. Philadelphia, maybe. One of those. <laughs> I really paid attention. So, you
1: really know your major cities, Sean. Oh, they're all the same you, to me. They're all just... just crime-ridden, you yeah, know, you those go. cities.
0: <laughs> but he comes in, he comes in, and, and that's one of the conversations is somebody's trying, the guy's like, I'm not going to let you do anything to me until you tell me how much it costs. Right. And the, the doctor's arguing, and then this guy, the head guy, walks by, because he's always on patient's side. He goes, actually, oddly enough, and he said there was a law that's passed that makes it legal that... Healthcare is the one commodity, Mm -hmm. I forget the words, you know, but the one thing in this world, in this country, that they can charge you for without telling you up front what it's going to be. Yeah,
1: it's like if you ever have to call an ambulance to your house, was it, $2,000? Easy right there. Just for that ride over. It's like, oh my gosh. Yeah. No, it's I like I'm just next time. I, if I have pendicitis, I'm taking an Uber. I'm not making, I'm absolutely. taking an Uber. Absolutely.
0: They should do a medical Uber, bro. We could absolutely revolution. They could
1: have like a, a siren on top that says <laughs> Uber, ooh, and then just you go around people. That's dumb. But I
0: tell you, but we were needing somebody to get a ride. It's a long story. We we're helping somebody out, and they were over in the other side of town. And we, our friend Hubert, yeah. lives over there. And I was like, look, Hubert, I can call an Uber or I can call a Huber.
1: Yeah. <laughs> That's so dumb Nobody I could be, be like Uber you. There's an Uber, Uber XL you know, all the, tr- the categories you know yeah, yeah, yeah. Uber ER That needs to happen no. bro We just, we just revolutionized just would
0: absolutely make a killing yeah. We will come pick you up and take you to the hospital Actually
1: it would be a killing because you'd probably die on
0: <laughs> it's like, You know how many disclaimers
1: Like you only place? get five stars if I don't die on the way <laughs> But if you have to give him five stars if you don't die
0: It's like he's five minutes out I don't have that much time It's like Oh, my gosh.
1: <laughs> they should do that. There should be an app for ambulances where you can see the ambulance is close to you and you can you can track it as it's coming to you. Um, why
0: not? Why not? I, I guarantee it's all going to come.
1: So when you were talking about all the car crashes and plane crashes, I was thinking about – because we're coming up on Halloween and we grew up in the age of Judgment House, Hell House, hell. whatever you call it. And churches would do these things where they would do these dramatized plays and you could see what hell was like and what heaven would be like. And it was like a witnessing thing. Right. And, uh, I don't think churches do it much anymore. Uh, some churches really believed in it and, and it, it it's almost, but I remember we brought, remember our friend, Matt, he did tile my floors. Remember, you remember Matt, big, big Matt. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he was a friend of our family. Uh, or from friend of family think, from our church. I think
0: I lost my innocence by seeing his tattoos. Yeah, he
1: had some tattoos. Like, he had a history. Oh, wow. He had a past. Yeah, because yeah, he was tile on my floor, and he had his shirt off. Or maybe you did a tile job with him one time. I did. Time. I
0: did a tile job with y'all.
1: And he gets all sweaty. He's a big dude, yeah. over 300 pounds. And he would take off his shirt, and he had these. I was, I
0: was like a young college student. I was like, you know, man, we really need to tattoo a bikini on that. Yeah, you know, quickly. I am, yeah, do not need to be looking at this. <laughs> anyway. <laughs>
1: But anyway, so Matt came to our. We were always kind of inviting him to things. He was kind of like on the. Fr- he believed in God, but he was kind of on the fringe of Christianity, and he just been had been hurt in the past. So we we're like, okay, come into this. So we were always inviting him to stuff, and we invited him to this, and he came. Such a
0: nice guy, way. he though. was the yeah. best, yeah. so
1: nice. And so, at the end, it was like, you know, you'd hear like screeching cars, and then people like enter heaven or uh-huh. hell, and uh, almost every one of them was like that. And then at the end of it, it's like, well, what'd you think, man? He's like, I think Christians are terrible drivers. <laughs> that was yeah. his big, like, that was his takeaway. That's funny. Christians need to take defensive driving courses.
0: Do you know who, oddly enough, I know who who their initial uh, conversion happened from a judgment house? It's going to be Josh Groban. It's <laughs> <I do> know <laughs> okay. Mike Burnett. Really? Yes. That's a part of his story. We're going to have Mike on soon. He's a pastor in Clarksville.
1: The the top growing church in America. Fastest growing church in America.
0: Fastest growing church in America. uh, And it all
1: started from Judgment House.
0: Yep. And and again, he's the first one to say like.
1: He wouldn't do a Judgment House at his church. No, no, no. no. That's so interesting. it's,
0: It's an anomaly. So I heard a story the other day. I talked to a guy and talking about like ways that people come to know faith. Yeah. So Sadie and I will often be driving down the interstate and you see all these billboards in the South. You probably, if you're listening and you're not in the South, you may not have these, but in our area, especially as you head East in Tennessee, there's more and more billboards that are like scripture based or that are like, if you die, do you know where you'll spend eternity? And they get like really, yeah, they get get not nice after a while. It's very like, oh man. And I just, I have a, I have a in general, a problem with going, number one, I don't feel like that's the way that Jesus tried yeah. to reach people. Like if you just go back and look at his sermons, I don't feel like he led Yeah. with that. Now like, he would lead with that with the Pharisees maybe, but not with, not with just people who were quote unquote right. driving down the road, you know, yeah. in their chariots or whatever. And so <laughs> I just, I just feel like that, you know, and it's not that what they're saying is not truth. I just believe that truth is supposed to yeah. follow right. an expression of God's grace or else. Right. Grace and listen. truth. Yeah. yeah. And so, Anyway, talking to this dude, and he's a friend now. Yeah, and um, he is a motorcycle. You ever, you ever been? He's not, he's not a motorcycle, Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> he rides a motorcycle. Wow. He's a motorcycle My man.
1: John's <laughs> out. Are you still taking hydrocodone right
0: now? <laughs> My really best messy. friend is a motorcycle. <laughs> 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 so, anywho, he rides motorcycles. Oh, okay. I didn't finish the sentence. Okay. I have a horrible habit of doing that. I'm working on it, not finishing sentences. Yeah. So, you ever been driving down the road and somebody flies past you on a motorcycle, like a little right. bullet bike, you know, a uh-huh. crotch rocket, and you're going, oh my gosh, I'm doing 80. He must be doing 95. Yeah, right. yeah. You, you want to know how fast they're doing? My friend says he was doing 160 <sighs> on the interstate. And that's not the fastest he's ever been. He's been on tracks going faster. Why? Why? He was doing 160. And oh my gosh. he's seen these billboards. Yeah. He's not a believer. He's yeah. seen these billboards a bunch of times because we all see them. Yeah. And he hates them. Just like, you know, he's like, I hate these things. You know? Right. For some reason, he looked at this billboard, one of these, do you know where you spent eternity? And it got him. Like he's, he, he
1: flipped the motorcycle.
0: The Holy Spirit like started dealing with him. No. He, I mean, he doesn't, he wouldn't put in those words, but he just literally had this moment, like started thinking about. Yeah about life after this one and that's great what it means. Okay. So he instinctively kind of lets off the clutch cause you don't break at that speed. I oh, don't know. You know, you will flip it if you were to break. Right. So he just kind of starts slowing down, just, you know, letting off the clutch and letting the engine slow him down. He comes around the next turn and there's a car wreck right in front of him and he's barely able to stop the motorcycle. <sighs> and so he says, if I had not seen that sign, and thought of, this happened like two weeks ago. This he is all
1: friends. like, there's
0: zero chance I'd be alive today. I Holy could not stop. And so since then, by the way, he's put his faith in Christ. And his story, like he's he's the only person I've ever heard of, yeah, who had a legitimate faith experience from one of those billboards.
1: But so the, the key is to be going 160 miles an yeah, hour. The
0: crazy, It's not like a conventional. It's not like it's just a guy driving. Like yeah. like literally I think God really had to deal with him in a way because that's the, that's the best part for me yeah. is he hated them before. He never paid attention to them before. Right? Ignored them, thought that they were garbage. But you just think about those things, Judgment House or Heaven's Gates, Hell's Flames or all yeah. these kinds of things. And it's and I, I do agree that they're anomalies. I don't think that they're the primary way. That we get to share the gospel. I really believe the primary way we get to share the love of Jesus is in the way that we live together and that people watch. I've said it a hundred times, but it's so worth repeating. Scripture never says that we will win the world by the way that we love the world. But we quote it all the time. You know, you will win them by loving them. Though scripture says, Jesus actually said, you will prove to the world you're my disciples by the way they watch you loving each other. Yeah so there's this – to me, that's the billboard. Right?
1: Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, there was a thing – I had an experience last night uh, at Zany's, actually. So I was talking to the one of the managers there, and she uh, she dates a guy who is now opening for John Crist. Okay. And he's just a club comic, and he went to Notre Dame, and he, I think he's Catholic, but he's not a Christian comic. Yeah. But he works clean. And so John like left, liked his comedy and said, I want you to open for me on the road, even mm-hmm. though you're not a church comic. Yeah. And so he's going, he's crushing and he's And so he's gone from doing these like bars with 30, 40 people in them, you know, a hundred people. He's doing thousands of people every night. Oh, it's a big difference. Yeah. And, but he's crushing, but, and I was talking to this girl, it's not about it. Who's the manager at Zanies and dates this guy. I was like, she was like, it's so cool. She goes, but there's so few clean comics out there. She goes, whenever I need to have somebody to fill in, it's like, I realize like you guys are all on the road. You're already doing so well. I don't know why more people don't do clean comedy. Mm. And she was like. It's so different, and then she was like, "When you come here, you kill every." She said, "Effing kill," which is so funny. She's like, "You guys get here and you effing kill." She and I said, "Yeah." A lot of people think that church comics is like shooting fish in a barrel, or it's too. I said, it, "There's elements of it that I would say are easier in that you're not going to get a rude audience necessarily. You're not going to get a heckling audience, but people don't laugh if it's not funny. Yeah. And also, you have to make an 80 year old laugh and an eight year old laugh, and that's not really true in a club. And so yeah. there are challenges." She's like, "Yeah," and then she was talking about it, and I said. I said, another thing I hope that he's seeing is that it's like a family. Like when you're Christian comics, like there's probably some jealousy and envy there, but I'm saying it's like, we do support each other and we root for each other. And she was like, hundred percent. She's like, Aaron just feels like it's family on the bus.
0: Yeah.
1: Cause it's him and another comic that I, that's a good friend of mine named Dustin Nickerson and John. And so he's being exposed to this world. And so it's a huge tool. Like he's probably, he's probably got a good experience now with Christianity that he would not have thought. Yeah, you know, like he would not have expected that. Maybe. Well,
0: it's so funny whenever people want to lead the conversation with all of the the questions regarding creation or the questions regarding suffering the world and all those yeah. things. And I think that that's that's a common. Yeah. That's where we all want to start because we're all worried about those things. We're all we all have questions and doubts. And I, I think I've been so guilty in the past of allowing allowing a, a faith based discussion to really get initiated in mm-hmm. those realms. Yeah. And I, and I, because I was, I fancied myself uh, to have some good answers that I could banter about this or I can speak about this even gently. I don't want get into a lot of arguments, but I you know, I can lead you down a path, make you think about things you never thought of before, all those kinds of things. But the only problem was very rarely did it ever make a difference in someone's life in terms of them coming to a place where they had this like yeah. actual experience, where they were like, man, I really trust that Jesus's way is better than mine. I really trust that his way is good Mm -hmm. for me. And that, you know, that there is a grace offered to me that covers, I don't have to perform all those Like it never led to that. It might lead to a, it usually just leads to more questions like, well, yeah, that's fine. But what about, or it leads to, yeah, but I knew another guy smarter than you who said this. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just, you can always top it, but that invitation to true community. Yeah. And I think we can all do it better. I don't mean like, but but even just the friendliness of it, it's it's this. In fact, um, the come and see book with me and Todd Wagner. Excuse me, Todd Wagner with me if it would be technically Todd Wagner and I. Todd Todd, yeah, it's Todd's book completely. But I just helped him write it. Um, their teaching pastor, who is now the campus pastor for their Dallas campus, uh, and he heads up the porch, which is like one of the largest young adult ministries in the in the nation. Yeah. His name is Jonathan Podluka. He was just on Fox and Friends, by the way, for his book called Welcome to Adulting. Um and it's great, you know, it's for millennials and anybody, you know, is kind of looking at that that next jump. But um his story, we wrote the story in the book and it's crazy. He was so he's a really good looking dude. He's um tall, you know, good looking, he was very professional in the business world. Totally so
1: relate to all these. Oh, absolutely.
0: It's just like I was look it's like okay. you looking in a a mirror. Yeah. But he very successful in business in the Dallas area and then he did the Dallas nightlife. So he was out with different girls every night and, Mm -hmm. you know, he was clubbing and, and, you know, just getting drunk and being with women and doing all the stuff that, 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 lifestyle had to offer. And somebody invited him to go to watermark to that church and he went and that was okay. But then Todd and a group of these, these men, Mm -hmm. Todd's just friends. They're just friends. They invited him to go. They were going to this cabin for the weekend just to hang out. And he went and he, he said – "This is the, I mean this is not the kind – we want the conversion stories about the billboard, yeah. but like this is the billboard to me. Yeah. And he says in, in his testimony in his book, he said – in our book, he says, we were just grilling steaks, playing pool, playing cards, laughing, being goofy, hanging out. Mm-hmm. And yet these guys, they weren't having to get wasted or go romanizing right. or whatever. And they were – While they were having all this fun and being goofy and doing crazy stuff, like they were having – there was like a a genuine affection for one another. Yeah. You know, and that they were having real conversations too in the middle of it all that mattered, like conversations that mattered. And he says that when it was time to go to sleep, he laid in his bedroom at that cabin and he couldn't sleep. Like he laid there like something crazy had happened to him just being a part of that. Yeah. And – He said his best friend, he he waited as long as he could, but like 6 a.m. he called his best friend and woke him up and just said, man, like, I know this sounds nuts, but I just found what we've been looking for. Hmm. Like that was his conversion experience was being around God's people, just being God's people. And doing it rightly and doing it intentionally. That's cool. And so it wasn't like they sat up and preached to him all night. It wasn't like they shared the sinner's prayer and how to repeat it and all those things. I mean, he he moved to the place of, of understanding theology and all those things. And, and to the point now, he's one of the best teachers you ever hear. But the real the real draw of this is not supposed to be... You know, just the truth, but it's the truth lived out in real relationships where people mm-hmm. care for one another. I think it's attractive. It just is, and it, and I think that's the way Jesus set it up anyway. It's the yeah, billboard, it's Johnny. And if you're going fast, slow down.
1: That's right. You know who has slowed down? Who's that? The big orange train that oh. had rolled over Auburn and <sighs> suddenly hit a brick wall buzzsaw combo.
0: Oh, did we see it coming, though? No. I did.
1: Yeah, we saw it coming. It's almost like... Because you said on last week's podcast... We're going to lose by 40. We lost by 38, didn't we?
0: I mean, I really was close on the. Somebody texted me and said, man, you were close on the." Yeah. That, yeah, my fear is, and then what did I say? Don't get injured. And then Garantano goes down. Oh, I thought, because
1: I didn't see the game. So I just thought that Chris got put in the game because Garantano was so futile. But he got in because Garantano got injured. Oh, yeah. Like, is he out for the year?
0: They said he'd be back this week, I think. He was a collarbone injury. But Chris got two touchdowns. He did okay. Chris did
1: great. They finally let him
0: throw the ball.
1: That's what I'm saying. So you think they're quarterback controversy? No. No? No, Because he's senior, right? Garantano? Look,
0: Garantano's a great thrower, too. They just, you know, it could have been that Chris came in and they run a different playbook with him. Didn't
1: Obama promise that he would close Garantano when he got in office? (laughs) And here he is still running amok.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: That's very funny. I'm sure he never gets that.
0: (laughs) I, I doubt that he does, actually. Guantanamo. But um, listen, Alabama mm-hmm, was mm-hmm. every bit as good as they were as build. probably the
1: Buffalo Bills. I'm going to tell you
0: something, man. <laughs> they could probably
1: beat the Bills. That may
0: have that probably was the best college team for sure. Yeah, ever assembled. Like yeah. they were un.
1: What's well, like Alabama? All the great strengths, and then you add a great quarterback because they've never had a really really great quarterback yet.
0: How do you pronounce Tate Tua Tavagola Gula? Yeah, I was hoping you would know because usually really Tuganava
1: Fola. Um, I'm a... <laughs> it's one of those, uh, we call it, me and Tim Hawkins, we call it the, the Jerry Lewis team. When somebody has a name that Jerry Lewis would pronounce in a funny way, <laughs> like, uh, Mark Tuya used to play for the Raiders. Tuya Sopo <laughs> And then you'd have like Joe Flacco. <laughs> you'd have like those names. And Tua has one of those names. <laughs> Tua Gagafalco! There's one... There's one, uh, for,
0: uh, okay, I'm coughing.
1: there's one for the Falcons, uh, tied in for the Falcons, named Tololo. And that's the best one ever. <laughs>
0: Talolo, <laughs>
1: That's the best Jerry Lewis team ever. So Tua would be on that.
0: That was the most amazing thing I've ever heard. <laughs> That dude. So, you know, we injured him.
1: Yeah. Oh, really? I didn't he, know that. He had
0: a knee injury kind of coming in. And we were getting, like, our guys got to, they played... They did not play poorly, but everybody's been getting beat by. It. I yeah. mean, they're averaging fifty-two points. Yeah,
1: oh yeah, we're not going to beat that team. No, no one's going to beat that team. We put up this year. twenty-one. Yeah. Like
0: some twenty-one is the third best out of their six games or seven games that put up on them. So hey, yeah. we're right in the middle of the pack for <laughs> getting killed by Alabama. <laughs> and uh, we literally hit the hit the man, put him out of the game. Yeah. But as he's going down, right, he finds a way to throw a thirty-five-yard touchdown pass on them on the numbers. Like, he's just another level. It's like yeah. a video game.
1: Yeah.
0: And the receivers, I remember, um, who was the announcer that we like on CBS that you mentioned last week? Gary Danielson? Yeah. Danielson even was like, guys, it's very rare that I'm speechless. <laughs> but, like, he threw a pass at one point, and there were two orange jerseys around the guy. He's like, there's no way when he threw this pass, he could have known even yeah. where the guy was going to be. But, th- but the receiver is so fast and good. And he's so fast. And like, he threw a ball, and then where he threw it, the receiver happened to just, as it was getting to him, separate by a couple yards, catch it, and run for 70 yards for a touchdown. It was like, he was guarded. Yeah. How did he even get to that? And how did the guy know where to throw it? I'm telling you, man.
1: We're, they're going to, there's no, there's nobody that can beat them this year.
0: Well, you know they got LSU this week. No, no, no. Well, they, have, they have a week off. I think
1: actually. that's true. LSU probably is the closest to a. I think you I think talk he, about. Oh my gosh! I saw this video the other day, and it was what's their what's their coach's
0: name? Oh, uh, Ogeron Ed Ogeron.
1: Yeah. Oh, he's just, o, I think it's just Ogeron, but we put an R in there. No, oh, there's an R in there. Is an R?
0: Yeah, Orgeron.
1: Everybody always says Ogeron, but anyway, see, it was just
0: like the guy from from uh, Waterboy.
1: They were doing <laughs> it was a, it was a bunch of screen grabs of closed captioning of his post game interviews. And what the close captioning thought he said, and it's amazing. If you ever get a chance to Google that, it's unbelievable. because they can't, you can't figure out what he's saying. Un, it really it, is. paying to win, he's just. It's unbelievable, but it's
0: real. He's just like the, the assistant coach on the Water Boys, like
1: yeah. hey, hey, Bobby Boucher. Mm-hmm. We've we paying a day. But I tell you what, you talk about a, a player's coach. Evidently, they'll run through a wall for that guy.
0: Oddly I know enough, that. He I used... think that's one of the drills <laughs> they run. <laughs> <laughs> they run through gotta walls. stop the CTE. Yeah, you know? it's not good. He. Yeah, I can't. I'm surprised they can understand him to go run a play. I, really I think you know.
1: learn. It's kind of like your dog learns to understand commands from you. Yeah, I don't know who the dog in the scenario is, know. but I'm saying like
0: <laughs> you haven't met my dog. He's really they speak, poorly trained. They,
1: you learn to understand. You know, it's like somebody that grew up in the north and they come to the south and they're like, I don't know what you're talking yeah. about. But eventually, they get in your rhythm. That's what's happening. Probably. Right.
0: It. It. Yes. He's. I don't know. I think LSU loses by 30. Really? Yeah, I do. I well, think, they've got the D, though. They can they can hold Alabama if anybody can, maybe. I, I think LSU
1: loses. Is it I mean, at Alabama?
0: No. Uh, a if it's at Death
1: Valley, bro, that's a different world. I think world. it may
0: be at Death Valley. But I'm not sure. I think it's not this week, but next. Now, okay. this week is uh, Florida-Georgia. It's a big SEC East matchup. Yeah. And Florida, by the way, somehow yeah. is top 15 and has one loss. And they were a horrible team when this season started. It makes me very, very angry. And, and I do have friends who are Florida fans who are going to be listening.
1: I don't gamble, but do you know uh, what the line is on Florida
0: Georgia? Um, <laughs> the line. I did think of that yesterday. Florida Georgia line. Like, is that we, the betting line, or is that the? Have we talked about
1: the the fact that all these country stars now have bar and grills in Nashville, and they have the least clever names. Yeah. Like, how did they not think of Florida Georgia wine? Like, that is no right there for king. you.
0: What are they doing?
1: And, like, Luke Bryan has one. I can't remember what it's called, but it doesn't have anything to do with anything that's, that's – come I know. on. I know. It, any- should be, just, it should just be – I'm just – it should just be – it should just be called Drink a Beer. Doesn't he have a song called Drink a Beer? <laughs> just gonna sit right here on the edge of this pier. Watch some disappear. despair here. And drink a beer That's a song That's a hit song of Luke oh, Bryan Oh my gosh So his thing should just be called Drink a
0: beer I Trademark Listen, I'm not What you would call A Luke Bryan fan An award winning songwriter No, you're Right I've never won any awards. I could make you an award But Like when you just Rhyme Like what's next Dill pickle spears Like <laughs> You just You know what I'm saying Just keep going with the ears And ears and I just Come on yeah. man At least throw another line in there Make it like a I don't know
1: But, I mean, I'm talking about that song was a hit. It's not like that's just an embarrassing song that was a B-side on his album. That uh, was – people ate it up. They drank it up, if you will. If you will. And
0: I think you will. The the whole country music world of just as many cliches strung together as possible. Yeah. And everybody's buying it. That's why they're selling it. Yeah. Like we can be mad about it or we can realize it's the public's fault. Like at some point, if all you want to hear about is pickup trucks and work boots mm-hmm. and tailgates. She, she's and wearing them
1: tight jeans. and Skinny and, I like, dipping yeah, and yeah.
0: It's like, you know, and I get it. There's a fun side of country, so I hear. But, <laughs> you know, like write about some other things. Yeah. Like I, I actually love some of the stuff that Brad Paisley writes. Like oh, know, he's
1: fun. Yeah. He can
0: have fun and write some really, really funny songs.
1: And I'm not just saying that because Brad Paisley follows me on Twitter. Oh. Yeah.
0: That's right.
1: Yeah, that was a big moment for me. Absolutely. I mean, I, if he's listening, Brad, Brad, we're big fans.
0: We are. You should come on and be a guest. I, talk about oh, that. wouldn't that be something? That w- that wouldn't hurt
1: our rankings.
0: No, not at all. We can't even find the rankings. So
1: Brad Paisley started following me on Twitter one day, and I was like, immediately, like, this isn't the real Brad Paisley, because you get these accounts right. that people make fake Pat accounts. Brad Paisley. Right. And, or it'll say Brad Paisley in the name, but then you'll right. look at the thing, and it'll be like Brad Paisley, 45678, or whatever. And so I look at this, it. I went to the real account. I said four and a half million followers, yeah. but then I looked over. He follows one hundred and twenty-two
0: people. And you're one of them. I'm one. Did you check? Are you still one of them? I don't. know. I'm afraid. To leave. Oh dear.
1: So I messaged him. I was like, well, I'm at least DM the guy and see what's uh-huh. up, because you can only DM people that follow you. Mm. So I was like, this is I'm already way too thirsty, but I'm gonna go try anyway and just be like, we follow me. And I was like, dude, thanks for the follow. I'm a big fan. And then he wrote me back. Yeah. Wow. He said, well, I, I've heard you on Serious Radio. And I love what you do. I was what? like, okay. And then I peed a little because Brad Paisley said that. So that's pretty cool. But anyway, me and Brad are so every time we see like the the nationwide insurance commercials with and him Peyton, and Peyton, Peyton yeah. Curry, will be like, "There's your BFF." Right
0: there, that's you and
1: you and Paisley. So uh, Those he's are not funny, my BFF. by the way. Yeah, they are pretty good.
0: Like Peyton has great timing. And yeah. My favorite one is when they they pull up and uh, Brad has the guitar in his hand. Yeah, he's like. I think we should write about this. And he goes, okay, okay. And he starts to hit the cord and and Peyton reaches over and like covers it and he stops it real fast. <laughs> it's such perfect. It's yeah. so it's such perfection.
1: Yeah. He's good. He's got a good, and that's the thing. Peyton's likability, you know, it's like Brady's a better quarterback and Peyton is way more relatable and likable. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Brady, Brady's like, even as the things he marketed, like he promotes like Ugg boots and like, right. He, he's wearing like a fur coat. In public. You know, Peyton's like, Papa John's Pizza. <laughs> a man of the people, you know?
0: <laughs> He's a populist. He yeah, he is. is. He's something. Peyton
1: the populist. Peyton the populist. Oh Papa goodness. John's Pizza. If he were to
0: run Pop Papa John's, P-O-P-U. Pop, pop, okay, anyways.
1: Well, they've had to kind of rebrand because the whole scandal with the Papa John, whatever his name was. Yeah, what happened to him? He said something racist in a... uh call can't we stop doing it's that? like a conference call and they were like they had to like scrub his name from the
0: so i don't know what's they had to get a new papa i'd like to i don't know anyway we really strive to not say racist things here if we can I understand, well how about just not being racist right that's where that's, that's a great place to start yeah begin with not having racism in your heart i do understand there i have some friends who you know they're a little overwhelmed by the rules yeah because they don't know you know, they're like, my gosh. I mean, ten years ago, I could say this. I didn't think of anything bad about it, and yeah. now, you know, I'll never catch up to this huge long list of rules. I'm just going to be labeled a bigot, and I don't feel like that. I am. You know, right. there's a real, a real sense of like, I'd like to be, yeah, but I, I don't like. You had, is there like a website that's going to update every day that's going to tell me what is okay and not to say? To say, I do think, I do think that there's some validity to the fact that a lots of lots of Americans have lived in a state of of ignorance Uh myself included on many things I mean that we can grow in and that you can take the policing of words so far Yeah, you know that you know and
1: people are afraid to have conversations that would help them grow sometimes like I yeah I have a few uh, I have a few black friends and I I can talk to them about things about race without it being weird it's not like this cut the red wire like a situation where you're so tense you're just like well, what is this? Where did that stereotype even come from? Yeah,
0: help me understand.
1: Yeah, and then you, you can just talk to them, and uh, those are that's great. But again, it took me a long time to get to that. Well, point and again, with those by friends. the way, you know,
0: they their opinion is may not be the same. Right, as Right, that's guy. the you thing. Mean, they don't speak for they're all. Not speaking for the whole.
1: That's to me, I said that I was talking to a friend of mine who's a black comic, and I was like, I said, you guys are really hard on each other because we were talking about he does a lot of white rooms now. Yeah. Cause he's a guy who opens for John Chris now too, and I'll and and some of his material like he has one he has this one joke about how he says um, he where he was really slick he's really slickly dressed wears a bow tie at his shows and he says uh, people always ask why I dress so nice for my shows and he was like I always dress nice he goes this is police repellent
0: yeah because I oh, never fit so... the
1: description well that's a great joke and it makes white audiences laugh but I guarantee you there are some black audiences that are like. Right. You're feeding into this idea that we should just look better and dress nicer if we want to. And we were talking about that whole thing. And I said, your community is really hard on each other. Like when you have to speak for all of you have to carry the mantle for all black people. I don't feel that at all as a white person. Yeah, Like I'm responsible for my race. That's a lot of pressure. So you can't right. just be this individualist. Like Tiger Woods when he first became this phenomenal golfer and he was taking the world by storm, people were mad that he didn't speak up on behalf of every black issue and he was just yeah. like, I'm sorry, guys. I just I'm friends with Donald Trump. Like he's getting a lot of heat now because yeah. he was seen at all these events with Donald Trump back in the day, and he's like, I'm sorry, I just I hang out with a lot of rich people. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and yeah. so yeah, I think that's interesting. And I don't feel that. Like if somebody gets arrested and they're a white person, I'm like, why? you know, out right. to get us when Jeffrey Dahmer was caught, I wasn't like, "Dude, come on, man, he's being framed." But again, it's it's a different cultural thing, and I get it. But it is interesting. I think white people need to be harder on each other,
0: oh, <laughs> and absolutely. black people
1: need to give each other a break, maybe.
0: Well, I mean, I think I think that it's it's like, I need, number one, the number one goal is I would like my life to be more diverse. Yeah, I would like to understand. It's richer. How. It's
1: richer if yeah. it's more diverse.
0: In fact, somebody we were talking about the church the other day. And uh, it's a, uh, a new friend who's been coming, and um, and we were talking about diversity, and he, he's from up further north. And he yeah. said, I've noticed that the churches here seem like there's still very much. He goes, oh, you know, we don't have a very diverse church. I said, I know. And I, and I said, I'm going to say this carefully. We're working on that, but, like. How do you work on that? It's a reflection without it feeling of, like manipulation right. or something like yeah. It's such a reflection of Mount Juliet. Like we don't we're not living in a in a a like melting pot yeah. here, and and we don't like that. Like we would like you know. But I know this. Laura and I are are talking about how can we yeah how can we offer ourselves more to to the conversation
1: yeah yeah how
0: can we be more involved in just normal people's lives? Forget any end game. Let's just grow here. Well, and,
1: even cities that consider themselves melting pots. Uh, when you scratch beneath the surface, sometimes it's horrible. Like uh, if you think about Boston and New York, Boston's a huge hub for racism. It's unbelievable oh, racism yeah. there. And yeah,
0: a lot of, of Irish, Italian racism. A yeah. Lot of,
1: yeah. Uh, I mean, and and Nate Brigazzi, my buddy was talking about, he has a great bit about that from one of his first specials about how he moved to New York and everybody talks about how it's a big melting pot. And he was like, but it's not. It's just a bunch of pots who want to hang out next to pots that only look like them. He's like, I live next to Chinese pots and they hate me (laughs) because he lived in Chinatown. He was like one of the only white people in this building. And it's just like he felt like he was singled out all the time because he was the hated white person.
0: Well, there's something to be said for microcultures, you know, especially in immigration movements, you know, that that they do go and establish because they're trying to maintain, yeah, trying to maintain a culture that's Mm -hmm. important and then. But uh, but the melting pot mentality is such an American ideal. And that we like to throw up there, like, oh, this is the thing, yeah. we hold it up there. Not throw up, that's a totally different thing. We like to hold it up. Yeah. Know, and and say this is how we are. But
1: and that's do- the thing. Is it good that we all want to be this homogenous, like like sometimes there's great things about different uh that people bring to the table that are great. It's like we're trying to make women the same as men. Instead of saying like equality, we're trying to say a, women, a woman is the same as a man. Not a woman is as good as a man. Now we're in this whole, like, the pendulum has swung so far, we're trying to make women and men eat the same thing. It's like, that's
0: not good either. I don't think that's good. No, I mean, here's the deal. Like, if you're just going to think physically, have you ever watched American Ninja Warrior? Yeah. Like, okay, a woman is as good as a man on that show if she's the same height, same strength. Yeah. Well, then. Yes, she can get to the one where they have to stretch their arms, or the, the spider crawl or whatever. Right. If you're four foot four, like you know, if you're five foot four, you're not gonna. You literally physically can't reach right. the other things. But that shouldn't be a. That shouldn't be some judgment upon your. Um, yeah. Your it just means you're physically shorter. So like uh, to me, I like that idea. The equality is about value. The equality is about ability.
1: Or or we should look for equity of opportunity. Yeah, Not necessarily just like, I'm going to hand you this because it's like the, uh, and again, we're getting into a minefield here, but I'm interested by this, this pendulum swing of the Me Too movement, which is so necessary. But now the pendulum swing is to believe all women, forgetting that some women are, we're all flawed and fallen creatures and some women do lie. But now we're just supposed to believe all women. It's like, don't believe all men. Don't believe all women. That's why we have a court system. Right. Like, you we know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I Please, think, if you if you've been assaulted, take it to court, D- prosecute this person to the fullest extent of the law. But, but like, this idea that we should just we're all you're all these little
0: angels—it's like no, right? I think that the I think we have to always remember things like Black Lives Matter, the Me Too movement—they are reactionary movements. Yeah. Meaning they're they're not necessarily speaking into a vacuum; they're speaking into a context, and the context is for so many Oppression. years. Yeah, for so many years, the default answer was she's lying. Yeah, don't believe her. The default answer was, well, this particular race is yeah. is like inherently criminal. We're not going to acknowledge the system. We're not going to acknowledge these things. We're gonna we're gonna now, right, ascribe to them values that shouldn't be ascribed to a race or to a gender. So I think that – and that's where we get hung up now is, is saying, well, we're going too far and too far. It all makes sense in a reactionary context. Like, yeah. well, guys, this is not – this didn't just happen today. We're not having a conversation about today. We're yeah. having a conversation about hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years in, in all cases. And what we're talking about is, like, don't make really – it's almost – you almost want to be negative. Yes, you believe – by the way, the American court system does believe everyone. You are innocent until proven guilty. So it believes everyone until the evidence comes around. That's the way justice is supposed to be built. But when justice has been tainted, because yeah. we begin, if the judge or if people, the jury, by the nature of their culture, is more inclined right. to not believe one over the other, then by definition, justice can't be blind. Your eyes are open to the wrong thing. Yeah. You, need to, you need to listen and not see.
1: What so, do you think about death penalty? Wow. Well, we ever talked about that?
0: Uh, not what they Because I used
1: to just be like, look, death penalty, whatever. You know, if somebody, that's fair. And why would we keep this person alive if we know they've whatever? And I just, the more I learn, and you see these documentaries about the justice, people's convictions overturned after 30, 40 years with DNA, and you're just like, I don't believe in the death penalty anymore. Because I'm just like, if there's a chance we got it wrong. Yeah. We blew it as a culture. And you see there's two different justice systems. You just go, the justice system for the rich says I can get the high-powered lawyer and I can get out of this, uh, guilty or not. Yeah. And then you see this person who's just like, get railroaded. They get this public defender. Who doesn't care? It's just another number on their docket. Yeah. And you just go, this person doesn't have the same uh, advantages.
0: I think I think that you're you're dead on the issue for me. Like, absolutely, my younger days, you know, it made sense to me a little more, but the more that you see, it's, it, my confidence in the system, Yeah, not that I don't, it's still the best system in the world, by the way, but just confidence in any human system that will determine life and death Yeah, in a New Testament era. Okay? Right. I understand that there was different things in, in, in ancient times. In a New Testament era, because I can't separate this from faith and, and how I feel about that, but my confidence that that system can get everything right um, is is tainted and rightfully so. Yeah, that's why there's such. An, now the system itself acknowledges that. That's why there's so many appeals and, and it yeah. takes, you know years and years and years for those things to go through. I know this for me at this point in my life. Um, unless I am forced to self defend or defend my family, I don't you know or fight in a war or, or, or those things. Things like that's what yeah. that's what my life may require of me at yeah. some point. In that case, I think that's a different set of rules. Mm-hmm. But other than that, in just terms of judgment, I I don't want to be the one. I yeah. don't feel qualified. It's
1: a weird thing to be on a jury. You're, li- you're like playing yeah. God with somebody's life almost. Yeah. I wouldn't want to do it. I had jury duty, and I got out of it. I had jury duty in, in June, and I was scared to death. I was going to get picked, and we went through this whole line of people. And then a bunch of people got up and had these work excuses and, like, I can't miss this much work. and So I just got in the line thinking – and it's, you get to walk and whisper to the judge, and you get rejected and have to go told get sit down. I was afraid of that moment. But I said, look, I, I don't really work for one boss. I have like 110 bosses a year. And I have jobs that are already under contract that I go travel to, and, and I'm a comedian. She was like, oh, we could really use a comedian in here. <laughs> and and I was like, oh, that? no. I was like, oh, no. Because she's like, it gets so heavy in here. And I was like, yeah, but that's not like I'm going to be telling jokes from the jury box. Right. <laughs> hey, guys, I got another one. <laughs> so... Um. Anyway, she let me out. She's like, I'm going to go ahead and excuse you. And I got out of it and I was so glad. But um, yeah, I, for all I know, it could have been – mur- and I would not want to be on like a serious – if it was a murder trial. I'm assuming it wouldn't have been But because it's Wilson County. Who knows? I don't know how many murders a oh, year we man, have in Wilson happening. County. but. But, yeah, I mean, it's like I'd be terrified if I had to decide somebody's fate. I mean, I'll way. do my
0: civic duty and be yeah. a part of it. Like I get Not it, me. I, I
1: got out of my civic duty.
0: <laughs> like imagine what the victim's family is feeling or whatever. Like, That's true. I, I get that, hey, if it's if the most uncomfortable thing I have to do is sit here
1: right. and be a
0: part of this while there. So there's some empathy there. Um, I'm not saying that – I mean, truthfully, the way I believe is I think that, that we all deserve a death penalty. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Now, you're – Life here on earth, there are consequences within your governmental system, your civil civic system that could bring about that consequence to your action. Um, I'm just, I'm not a lawyer or a judge, but I do, I'm not trying to cop out on that. Yeah. Um, And I do think that the penal system is a problem. I think that, I think that the cost and the other, but I also don't want to be like Mexico or something where literally the corruption is so yeah,
1: and you can just overwhelming get, and you bribe your way through yeah. or they just throw you in a hole and forget about like you no due and,
0: process. No. Yeah. You know. So, I mean, I'm all about the current system in terms of it being the best one that humans have come up with yet, but I still believe the best that humans can come up with yet to try to deal with the consequences of a fallen world yeah. are, are themselves going to be so, um, you know, not enough like they're they're, they're not they're not going to be sufficient for the problem because I don't believe the problem can be solved by human well means. some of
1: these ones that that go and and take on these pro bono cases to get somebody's conviction overturned they're based on biblical principles they're called like the Ephesus project or the whatever the yeah. and they're based on this christian belief that like somebody that's being innocently accused need to be it needs to be overturned and there's not justice being done and they use a biblical back you know backbone for the, what they do
0: well, so. you, you almost kind of think in your mind that those kinds of things were older cases, you know, back when yeah. when intentionally the jury was – especially in, in race-centered right. places. But unfortunately, I'm not so sure even today. It depends on where you are. I mean racism is obviously still a major issue in America. and We can act like it's – I think the problem is is when we act like it's not. Yeah. You know, and, and to say, listen, I, I may not be even a part of the problem yeah. actively as a racist – but I may be part of the problem actively when I don't acknowledge the problem. Yeah, I that mean that's else... a quote
1: I read the other day, and I think um, Martin Luther King said something similar, but it was the idea that whites who just stood by and tried to remain neutral, yeah they favor they, by default they favor they favor the oppressor. So these people that try to hang in the middle, yeah, they favor they always favor the oppressor because their quietness and their silence enables the oppressor to keep oppressing. And yeah. so I don't know, I think uh, the church is going to have to get a little
0: bit more vocal on this issue for sure. Well, and again, I think that we have to understand it better Yeah, and we have to listen better. Yeah. We have to look at theological and biblical viewpoints differently. You know, I mean, right. we have to be able to add historical context to some biblical things. Cause there's a lot of people from a race, a negative race persuasion who are, Justifying their actions through isolated, you know, scriptures taken out of context. Right. And often, there's often a religious underpinning to to the worst and most heinous of. Yeah, things. Yeah, that's interesting. And, like
1: a, the KKK originally, they would they would yeah. basically they would fa- they would say, "Well, this," vi-, and I'd be like, "What? It's ridiculous! It's, it's so a ridiculous, ridiculous that viewpoint. you would go
0: from right. biblical love to." And again, a lot of people will quote Old Testament on things, but again, you going to have to take so much yeah. liberty. Like guys, you don't live six thousand years ago. Let it go. Right. Like you know, you're you're yeah. not understanding what what those things were. And I'm not saying they're not complicated. They're certainly on the basis of Christianity. Right. Like they're the background. They're not the basis. Jesus said, "I'm creating a new covenant. Like this is I'm doing something new here." Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, and it's just very very interesting. So, well, I mean, hey, you know, I think that we had no shortage. We of, solved the problems today. We did. All the problems. We did.
1: Except for the Vols. They're in trouble. They're in deep, deep trouble. Who do they play next? They're not in
0: trouble. I think they're okay. Who do we got? South Carolina. Do you think we're going to beat South Carolina? I think we have a good fighting chance. If the team that showed up against Auburn shows up against (laughs) South Carolina, (laughs) then we have a fighting chance. Okay. If the team that shows up against, say, West Virginia or Florida, then we are going to be in trouble. I do think the Vols can become bowl eligible. Mm. They have five games and to win three of them. Okay. To become a, And one of them is a gimme at Charlotte at homecoming. See, you can't say that, though, because then we almost lose to UMass last year or something uh, like that. I don't know. That's a different day. We've, every team we were supposed to beat, we've beaten by 21 or whatever this year so yeah. far. But we need to, we need, it's, it's so it's Kentucky's it's going to be tough. Kentucky's still a one loss team. Yeah. They're I mean, good. They're, they're really they're good really this year. Good. That's probably a loss. That right now looks like a real loss to us. Vandy, maybe. Vandy's South Carolina, maybe. maybe. Yep. Charlotte. And you got Missouri in there. Oh right. So and to,
1: they lit up somebody last week. Sixty points or something. So if sort. we
0: lose to South Carolina, we have to yeah. beat Missouri and Vanderbilt. That's our only hope in yeah. Charlotte. To make a bowl. Yeah. If you make a bowl, it's been a good season for this tumultuous so. time. So I think so. I do too. I do mm. too. Mm. Well Go uh, balls. yeah, that that's a six thirty Eastern game, I think, on oh, Saturday. Okay. And, Night game. Yep. In Florida, But you guys are life. all going <laughs> to miss
1: it Because you're going to be at my show with Michael Jr. We'll
0: all be at the show So there's no way I could watch it
1: Right, you can t- tape it But when you DVR the games Aren't you one of those people that's like I can't help them if I watch it on tape delay?
0: I do wonder how it affects them Yeah,
1: because you're not there eating
0: <laughs> While they play <laughs> Don't worry, I'm probably off eating somewhere uh during the live game so I, I never miss it so hey guys thank you for all always uh being listeners i uh, have two new listeners that i heard of this week just two really enjoy well no there's uh, others just two that you heard from actually the numbers for october have been really good um, that's and, great. and I have a couple like one guy stumbled upon us and says he just loves it. he's binge listening now from the beginning and he, that's you know, great and then uh, with some you know, other people
1: but be- go uh, rank us review us uh, and uh, rate us and spread it and yeah. just subscribe you gotta, subscribe, you gotta subscribe that's a big
0: deal and you can follow me and Johnny in our various social media platforms uh, you can follow Johnny on Twitter at, at Johnny J-O-N-N-I-E underscore W mm-hmm. or me J-O-H-N underscore driver and, or uh,
1: talk a b that
0: pod yeah we can <laughs> <laughs> or that uh, you can always send us questions. We it is time probably for another segment. Another we need ask, another Johnny, ask
1: Johnny right? we we yep. kind of asked our own self questions that we were, were asking, probing and we delved in.
0: I didn't get to play the music today and that was disappointing. <sighs> you know, next I'm,
1: week ask Johnny. Yeah, and we'll do so a double segment.
0: Where are you going to be next week?
1: I'm home until Saturday. I do the thing at Teepac. Then I do Sunday. I'm in Salem Springs, Arkansas. Oh.
0: Is that spelled S-I-L-O-A-M? Yeah, but okay. they call it
1: Siloam. There you go.
0: I've always called it Salome
1: Springs. Yeah. Maybe it is, but it's like Mount Juliet. Mount Juliet. Or yeah. Lebanon. I live in no Lebanon. No one ever
0: says Mount Juliet. People would come here, I'm still so happy to be living in Mount Juliet. And you You're look like, at them here long, have yeah. you? Yeah. Yins, so. but, the... <laughs> well. but yeah, be sure to share and uh, you know, appreciate you guys always being a part of the journey with us. This is, by the way, episode 40. Wow. Yeah. We're middle-aged. Man, we're getting there. And uh, so exciting. And exciting stuff. I look forward to all that the future holds here on... Talk about that.